Welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. I'm Dave. And I'm Nathan. And uh, on this podcast, we are joined by Joy Blundell. So great to have you, Joy. Welcome, Joy. Hi, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. No, it's great. Uh, Let me just read a little bit about Joy. With a heart for the restoration and transformation of cities through the mobilization of the local church, Joy oversees social justice and influence at Alive Church, a multi-site church in the east of England, and is location pastor of Alive Lincoln North, as well as one of the core leaders of the ground level network of churches. Joy is the founding director of Axe Trust, a Lincoln-based charity connected to Alive, with a mission to empower people to end poverty. She co-leads Transform Lincoln, the unity movement of churches in Lincoln. Joy is a qualified leadership and life coach, a civic commissioner in the recently formed Poverty Truth Commission in Lincoln, and a trustee of CAP UK. So you don't do much, Joy. Yeah. <laughs> One or two things there. Yeah, I've got some kids as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never <laughs> mentioned my kids, but uh, yeah, I've got yeah, some you kids and I like them too. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you never mention those at all. Do you know what I mean? It's all, all about ministry for you, Joy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's great to have you on the show. And uh, you've got a lot going on, as we've said. There are great stuff you're involved in. And mm. we always like to find out a little bit more about you as the individual. We've got your bio. But uh, tell us a little bit more, Joy, about your your faith story and your ministry journey. Yeah, well, I'm a Yorkshire lass, so I grew up in West Yorkshire um, in the little town where they film Last of the Summer Wine, so um, Compo. I used to deliver his ah. paper to him. Um, but that's back in the day, if you were a certain <laughs> age, like you wouldn't know who Compo is if you were kind of more contemporary person um and i um i grew up in a really small anglican church and um but when i was 12 uh my youth leader invited me to come to uh, what's called grapevine like the um, celebration on the lincolnshire showground that's run by the ground level network and um i came and like instantly connected with the holy spirit really amazing um like lights coming on kind of um experience and um and really, like the rest is history. I, I, I started um, bringing, trying to bring something of that back into our church community in like the, on the moors, <laughs> in Yorkshire, and um, I planted like a small um, youth um, commute congregation, and a load of my mates from school became Christians, and um, I think that's where I started to realise I was really passionate about Jesus, the church, and other people finding Jesus, and. Um, and then um, when I was 18, I came to university in Lincoln and I've been here ever since. So um, Lincoln's my home and I am definitely uh, feel like I'm adopted Lincoln last now. And um, when I arrived at the university, um, the university had only opened a year before. So it was like a brand new campus and really quite a dull place to be a student, to be honest. It wasn't like kind of really happening or like the bright lights at all and um but i remember hearing a speech from the vice chancellor who was trying to sell this to new students like saying if you come here he said if you come here you'll get to make your mark on a city and i remember just being totally sucked in or like a sense of the holy spirit yeah. of this is where i have to come like i really want to come here and i want to make my mark on the city and i think um i feel like that would encapsulate like my kind of faith journey of um 
uh, wanting to follow Jesus and inspire other people to do that, but also bring transformation to a place. And uh, I met my husband when I was studying psychology and um, he was doing the same. And we got married just after he finished uni. And um, yeah, we've been here ever since, 25 years, something like that. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Fantastic. And you say you've got uh, children now. What are their names? Yeah. Yeah. So Finn is, uh, f- he's 14 and um, Poppy is 10. And they are both living the good life today at home because their teachers are striking. So, um, so yeah, they're having a nice wow. day off. No. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, my son to oh, see him. <laughs> and Joy, what do you do for fun? Because I've heard you go uh, cold water swimming. Yeah, I absolutely love being outside. My, the best thing is to be in a Yorkshire reservoir, which York, don't tell Yorkshire water because you're not allowed to swim in them. But um, uh, <laughs> but if I can't make that, then there's a lake in Rugby, uh, nearly in Lincolnshire, and um, it's purpose built. And I absolutely love being in um, cold water, unless it's iced over, can't don't like that but um if it's really cold it just makes you feel amazing and um i also the other thing i do for fun is um i am a myers-briggs type indicator geek and i love to um type people and um talk to people about their individual gifts and unique contribution that they make to the world wow Uh, well we like that unique contribution to the world (laughs) yeah and uh, we, we, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out a little bit more about uh, your heart, I guess, for making a mark in the city as we go through. But but I wonder for you, obviously you're part of a local church, um, and I've been thinking around this idea for you then. What do you think is the, the greatest impact a local church can have? What do you think are the big ideas or the big things a local church? Why do we need them? Well, um, I think it's absolutely God's design. It's like the best place to be, family. Like, I think if I think about all of the brokenness in the world at the moment, I think potentially it comes down to people needing to belong and um, the longing for um, affirmation, belonging and family. And so the local church is family, isn't it? And, um, and uh, it's a place where people, precious people, get to kind of work their life out together and I was just thinking that um really it's not an, always a really easy place to be and um one of my mm. friends calls you know like really annoying people she calls them sandpaper people which is where um you like rub against each other and you kind of knock the rough edges off and I just think if the there's family and it's not always easy but um it's a place for us to become more of who God's made us to be by having the rough edges knocked off us and um and I love that yeah no so good um obviously within your uh role there's lots of um you know the word like transformation comes about and obviously even in your story where uh just making your mark on the city and so just thinking as leaders what are some of the big ideas we should focus on if we want to bring lasting change and even just thinking lasting change to the places where god has positioned us as well yeah so i think the um the like I said, the biggest um, brokenness in our world and in our society um, comes from nothing but the people that live. Like, we are um, the best thing about the world and we're also the kind of worst thing about the world as well. And and so I think um, if we want to bring transformation to the place that we live in, um, we've got to focus on creating 
whole people um, who are mature, like um, the kind of outworking of the Ephesians 4 ministry is to bring maturity to the body of Christ. And I think we need to be mature people who are the best version that we can be so that we can bring, um, we can't like point a finger and preach to the world to bring wholeness to the world, we have to be the whole people that need that bring wholeness to the world. And so for me, it's really simple. We become more like Jesus so that we can make the world um, more like the place he first intended us to live. And working on our own inner heart and wholeness is um, ultimately the, the first thing that we have to do. Great, Very good. yeah. And thinking, thinking of that idea of working on yourself, what, what sort of tools would you recommend for leaders that maybe they're listening today and they think yeah mm. i need to do some work on my life what would you recommend to them joy yeah that's a really good question um so i think the two keys are forgiveness and repentance and you could do it in loads of ways and loads of people have packaged it in like all sorts mm. of kind of snazzy courses and like tools but it really comes down to uh, repentance or turning away from um, like the lies that we believe about ourselves or about God. So um, for me, like repentance is um, like, it's not just one thing you do when you become a Christian. It's like your daily act of devotion to Jesus and um, having our minds renewed um, so that we can conform not to the pattern of this world. And so like, um, I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, um, the, uh, the, our father is the father of truth and the enemy is the father of lies. And if we believe in a lie about ourselves or about um, God, then we are aligning ourselves or turning towards the father of lies. And so repentance is really turning away from that and turning towards the father of truth, recognizing mm. that we're his children, that he loves us, that we are affirmed and also uh, that he's really good and that he's not going to punish us, that he's got good things for us and for the people around us. And then um, in order to keep doing that, like forgiveness is like the other key and um, making sure that we keep our hearts off towards God and people and ourselves. And I, I tell you one, um, I mean, there's loads of tools, but one thing that I've been practicing, which I find really hard, is Sabbath, solitude and silence. And those things enable me to uh, hear when I'm believing a lie or when I'm not um, living out the truth that God's got for me and um, then start to work on that through repentance and forgiveness. Very good. Yeah. That sounds, sounds like a good filter that you've got there, Sabbath, solitude and silence. And um, there's a lot of stuff out there now yeah. on that. And uh, I guess we've got some stuff on our site as well, have we? Yeah, Follow we Jesus? have. Yeah, yeah. Followjesus.uk. So they could find there's, that. There's some stuff on there. What does, uh, I'm intrigued, what does your Sabbath look like? Mm. Um, well, I'm, try I'm trying to work it out at the moment, actually. I've got a couple of options <laughs> um, of like days that I can use for Sabbath. So sometimes it's Friday night until the Saturday and um, doing it with uh, the family and uh, kids. John Mark Homer says, make it the best day of the week. And so fill it with like good mm. stuff. So outside, being outside for me and, um, and like food with family and friends, worship, like time with Jesus. Um, sometimes I'll do it on a Monday, like going from a Sunday night to a Monday because um, having small kids isn't always like that easy to like bring um, Sabbath around. So, but I, um, I think we're working with our life group actually at the moment, just like practicing, try like yeah. going through Sabbath and then coming back together every week and saying, how has this worked and what 
what's been good about it. And um, more often than not, I feel like I fail <laughs> at Sabbath. And um, so trying to kind of have that time as an extrovert, I find it, I do find like solitude and silence like a challenge. Um, and so making sure I've got a lot of like fun things in with people as well is a good way um, to just enjoy and delight and find rest. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks for sharing yeah, those stories. Yeah. Anything else on the Sabbath? Are you? Are you? I'm suitably intrigued suitably with it, intrigued. and um, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued because I've got I've got three young boys, yeah. and uh, yes, uh, let's just say it's a challenge. Yeah, hey, you're looking forward <laughs> yeah. to the Sabbath, creating it somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bedtime is Sabbath. <laughs> totally. Hey, hey, let, let's yeah. think about transformation for a moment, Joy, if we can. I mean, obviously some of the things you've described helps transform the leader, uh, which helps to transform mm. the town or the city they belong to. But, but I was just wondering, um, because obviously it's a big theme for you, transformation, what sort of stories could you share of how God's used you to bring about transformation or your church in Lincoln or beyond? Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many cool stories. I, I feel like I started my, never mentioned this, but I started my kind of ministry church, church full-time church journey, um, kind of leading Acts Trust, which is a charity that we founded to house our social action projects. And we do some really cool things. We've literally this morning just opened um, a new building that has I've been with the staff team this morning celebrating. Um, it has been given to us by the city council and um, it houses now a community grocery that um, is in partnership with a message. So we went from uh, we still deliver and host the food bank across Lincoln. But um, this is like one step up where people can become members and um, pay four pounds and they get a full kind of week's shop for the four pounds. And um, it's much more dignifying and empowering to people. And the um, city council have given us this building rent free and also pay the um, some central government funding has paid quarter of a million pounds to renovate it. So it was really smart now. It's amazing uh, building. So real good celebration stories of what the local church can, to, can do through kind of social action and like um, projects. But um, I have to say, after being involved in that for like 17 years, I may be less um, enthusiastic and passionate about um, that being the full solution. So when I first started, I was like, come on guys, we've got to be doing this and we need to be like as a church, galvanizing the church to kind of set up these projects. And um, and I would say now, I think that the real um, key is mobilizing the 97% of people that sit in our pews or our church seats on a Sunday to bring their um, real genius and their the kind of uh, image bearing of Jesus to their workplace and to their world around them. And unless we do that, then we'll always limit the potential for the local church in a town or a city. And um, so I have got some good stories, like the community grocery is a really good story. We've also networked ourselves across the town, a city um, it's called Transform Lincoln, and it's a network of uh, loads of churches or a movement of churches across the city that believe in the transformation of the city. And um, we pray like really... Um, Strategically, uh, we've like mapped the city according to gateways where um, various different gates across the city and named those gates prophetically. And we've created communities of people who like uh, 
pray for those gates and pray for those areas of the city and we've prayed into kind of um real like problems in our city so um suicide has been kind of a major problem over the years particularly with young men and and we've um found uh historic stories of where people have solved that problem in the past so one example is um i don't know if you've heard of a guy called chadvara he was um he was a curate um, in an uh, area in Lincoln called St Giles, which is one of the most deprived areas of the city. And um, this was kind of like maybe six, 70 years ago. And he um, had to do a funeral of a little girl who, when she was 12, she came on a period for the first time and she didn't know what it was. And so out of kind of disgust or panic or fear, she um, killed herself. And he said at the funeral, I, w- I never want to do this ever again. And so I need to find a solution to this. And so he, um, he started the Samaritans. And, um, and so Samaritans is now like an international movement. Um, and that came from the kind of what we say, the soil of Lincoln. And so we, we kind of said to God, this has been, your, your people have found solutions to this problem before in this place. What can we do now in our time? And so we had some, because we're joined up as a church across the city, we had some like strategic meetings with the NHS commissioners and said, we want to be part of a solution to this problem of mental health crisis and suicide in our city. And um, long story short, they commissioned us, we've just received now, um, about £500,000 to take um, this idea that we've developed in the city across our county now, which is nightlight cafes where the, the, the light of the church is always open every night of the week in the city um, for people who are struggling with mental health crisis to come to receive support, prayer, kind of um, uh, to have a listening ear. And, and it's um, feedback from the commissioners so that we've reduced... Um, mental health crisis substantially um, in our city so that's like an ex- an example that's kind of our story that we always tell because we like think it's really cool that it's happened before and it's happened again yeah well done yeah. on that that's a great success story there isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah that's uh that's so amazing that's so amazing I, I, so just thinking about your thought around um, the whole thing of, um, you know, so you were so active in terms of let's set up all these projects, community, uh, community, yeah. community, but then I've come around to this idea of people, um, you know, taking the kingdom wherever they go into their workplaces or whatever it is. So um, what? just thinking of a church, what do you think is like a healthy balance for a church in terms of like a, a biblical approach to this? And um, what, are, what are some of the things that we could do as churches to help empower people mm. for their workplaces as well? Yeah, so interesting question about healthy balance. So I, I reckon every unique, every church, local church, is unique and carries a unique um, kind of fingerprint of heaven for their local community because of the gifts and um, skills within the church but and and I would call them assets and also um, because of the various needs and the makeup of the local community as well and so I think you probably there isn't a like one size fits all for like what a healthy balance would look like but I would say that we um, we do We've like concentrated on the church and the church leaders, really, 
owning the projects. So we've set up charities that are like run by the pastors. And mm. I'm wondering whether a kind of more scalable solution is to um, set things on fire and release them to recognize that it's not the church leadership um, that mm. are the ones that really carry the um, mandate that our job as church leaders for me is to create the architecture mm. for the um, uh, the body of Christ to be everything that they can be and that means that we would need to in order to bring real transformation to a city we need to set up like x amount more like like 100% more than what we're doing now than what we could ever do just in one local charity by a church and so for me that would look like um us really making disciples so it comes back to the wholeness thing that if we recognize who we really are if we have the full authority and confidence that we are um, made in the image of the creator god and we have we believe that we have all the riches of heaven at our fingertips with a full abundant mindset to go it means that wherever we go whether we're a teacher or someone in a boardroom um, a business leader whether we're a cleaner we can bring solutions to the problems the brokenness in our world Mm -hmm. but it just means that we need to partner with the mind of christ and believe Mm -hmm. that that that's ours that's our inheritance and um so there's not really a like blueprint i think for it but i just i think that really as church leaders we should be focusing more on how do we raise equip and then send rather than own it all for ourselves if that makes sense yeah right yeah yeah yeah, it, it does. And I think that's a great answer. And you say that there's no real blueprint, but I think that is a blueprint in itself, really, that raising, equipping and releasing. Because uh, if, we, if we were to do that, like with every, if every church was to do that and release all those people and mobilize them, then maybe we'd see even quicker transformation yeah. in our towns and in our cities, rather than, as you've said, just a few pastors or leaders heading up the projects. What would the world be like? if mm. everyone was mobilized here, part of yeah. a local church. I think there's something in that. Yeah. And maybe something around discipleship in there as well. Yeah. What, what do you think discipleship fits into all this? Yeah, I think that is discipleship. So I think if if we are learning to follow and become like Jesus, then um, I don't know if we've skipped the yeah. social justice question or whether there's, um, like, I, I love that question. And so the idea of... Um, uh, whether like yeah no bring it in yeah so because um, I think I saw the question about like um, should we do social justice is that something that is there like a too much yeah. or I can't remember but because um, for me like the yeah. whole idea of of following Jesus and becoming like Jesus and going in His name and um, praying like He said let heaven come to earth um, is that's our discipleship it's yeah. learning to be like Him. And so where we see things that are wrong with the world and out of and they're not like, you know, John saw in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, where we saw a new city where the new Jerusalem came down from heaven to earth. And there was no more death or sadness, only joy. And um, so our discipleship is following Jesus to become like him and to and our worship is to um, work with him to cultivate that kind of culture of heaven to um, mm. on earth, and so that means where there's um, 
unjust structures and systems. We work to get and pray to get those kind of corrected. And it's where like people are sad and lonely and broken and um, not reaching their potential that we work with them to like support them to become more of who they were made to be. And as we do that, I think we become more like Jesus because that's what he did. And so it's us following his footsteps. So Mm. I think it's all interconnected. And I would just say like that any kind of service is an opportunity to become more like Jesus because he served first. Yeah. Yeah, so, something powerful in that, just around yeah. this idea of um, reaching out to our world and being disciples wherever we are. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, there's we, we've talked a little bit about social justice. Um, I mean, some churches love it, some hate it. Some, uh, for them, it's almost like a, a, ba- a bad word. <laughs> Stay away from social justice. I, I, I guess it's wor- worth us thinking through as leaders then, is there a better way to think about social justice rather than what we can't, know of it at, at, at the minute mm. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's it's always interesting if i i just don't know if i really understand why someone would think social justice is a bad thing but then yeah. maybe that's just like my wiring and i guess it depends on the definition that someone's working in with what what do you mean by social justice um like for for, for me i think it's just bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth and you can't bring heaven to earth without the the king you can't bring the kingdom without the king and so if anyone's worried that we would be like kind of liberal activists who are bringing like a i don't know left-wing agenda which is what maybe i understand people to feel nervous about if they don't if they hear the word social justice and they feel like we're doing it without like evangelism maybe or um for me that's just like a, a misunderstanding of what real justice is because Real justice is when the king's kingdom like reigns and you can't the kingdom without the king. And so having a relationship with Jesus and re- helping people to reconnect their lives with their purpose on earth, their, the community around them and themselves and also their relationship with a father who loves them so much and gave his son for, for them, for their fullness of life. And so um, I think that then looks like working towards um, righteousness and justice on the earth and like the restoration of all relationships. And so uh, the brokenness in our climate and for some people that's like a, a red you know, flag. But for me, it's just the outworking of the original mandate we were given to cultivate the earth and to look after it and to steward yeah. it. And so, um, yeah, I think social justice is so biblical like care for the poor is so biblical like seeing and working praying for the kingdom of heaven to come and um the worship of our king is so biblical so that for me they're just inextricably inextricably linked you can't separate them yeah 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 no i i think that's really great and um just linking back to your point so sometimes we think of um uh, you know, I think sometimes churches stay away from it just because, um, linking back to your point, it kind of relies on the leadership to do that. Um, so I wonder if uh, you could just speak into that idea of empowering the church to do that. And just even in some practical ways, how do you empower your church, one, to uh, get their true identity, but then also empower them? You said, like, set these fires alight. How do you do that as uh, your church locally? 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting, isn't it? I've heard some people say, oh, so-and-so church doesn't care for the poor. And then you think, but we, we are the church, and so it's up to you. Like, it's not up to, like, the church leaders. And that's, I think that's a really... Um, it's one of the, like, tensions you have to walk as church leadership, that when you're in leadership, people kind of point the finger or, like, uh, maybe kind of critique. But um, it's knowing that we are together on a journey and so we're a family not a business and it's and it's all of us that are doing this um one of the ways we do is just tell stories so we have this slot in our church service on sunday um where we ask people and we go through each person in the congregation so everyone gets a bit of a turn um and it takes a long time but it's um we started it because we're a new church plant so we wanted everyone to get to know each other and um and we'd come from two two congregations to one to join together, so not everyone knew each other. And we asked them, tell us what you're doing tomorrow at 11 o'clock, and then tell us where you've seen the kingdom come in your life outside of this Sunday meeting. And we use um, seven signs of the kingdom from Isaiah 61. So when the kingdom comes, from Isaiah 61, you know Jesus quotes that verse when he unrolls the scroll in Luke 4 and says the um, spirit of the sovereign lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim uh, freedom uh, for the I'm going to get it wrong without it right in front of me but you know all of that and the the signs of the kingdom are peace salvation deliverance and freedom joy comfort um, and like the list goes on so we like have this list on a Sunday up on the screen and we say when have you seen the kingdom come in your life and then they'll talk about when they saw healing because they prayed for their colleague or when they've innovated on a new idea at work and they've seen um, freedom or comfort or um, or the presence of God and um, just telling those stories is really powerful and I think we have the microphone a lot as church leaders, but if we pass the microphone to hear the real stuff of what's going on, we can trust that God's at work in the people that we're serving in our um, congregations and we're seeing incredible things. And I think just the more we tell those stories about when people are like, like setting fires themselves and we're cheering them on and then like it's our job to kind of help them with their the forgiveness and repentance stuff to keep their minds and hearts right to grow to maturity then um, as they're maturing they're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth wherever they are so that's one way that we do it great yeah we like that very mm. very practical yeah. and real example yeah. uh, right from your situation and i guess churches could think how could they do that yeah. in their setting yeah hey hey george we're thinking about discipleship a little bit we've talked about it we've it, it, it seems to be a big subject at the moment, the last couple of years. Do you think it's um, a bit of a fad, uh, discipleship, or do you think it's here to stay? Do you think the conversation's here to stay, or do you think five years down the line, hey, we forgot about it and we're on to something else? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, isn't it? I mean, I just think that's the core life of what it means to follow Jesus. But I do recognise that it's a bit like we, the conversations kind of come back. And so perhaps we lost it for a bit. I don't know. Or maybe our type of church did. The, the um, beauty of working across a church in Lincoln, across the city, is that um, one of my friends is called Father Philip. And he's a uh, Greek Orthodox um, pastor. And the stories he tells of the miracles 
that he's seeing and the discipleship of his congregation just blows me away. And I think they have been doing that for years and years and years. And it's like not like it's not a new conversation for them. It's like the conversation that they would have always had. And um, I think we can't lose it. Like it's the bread and butter of what's the point if we're not learning to follow Jesus to be with Jesus and to become more like Jesus, like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, the, there's, um, what's the point in, in the church if we're not doing that? And so um, I hope it's something that we just get, we build on and our children build on and their children build on. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, awesome. Yeah, I think, I think it's the same. I think, um, yeah, we're, you know, uh, hopefully it's not a new fad and uh, we have to keep the conversation going, I think, and yeah, uh, fi- find stories. out, keep telling the stories. Oh. But in your experience, what do you think the best way are, is for churches to create disciples who make disciples? What is that? What, what are you seeing and uh, how have you seen that done well? Yeah, so I think we probably there's loads we can learn from the culture around us um, of where um, other things that shape culture. And I can really clearly see with my 14-year-old some of the things that's like forming him and shaping him, um, which is the tech that he's using and the stuff that he's exposing himself to um, and his mates. And so I think um, interaction is like a really important thing. And for years we've been quite, uh, as a church, we've like expected that our teaching from the front will shape like the proportion of like people's lives and their minds, but then they're going home and they're like exposing themselves to all other kinds of like formation stuff. And so I think the best way for us to make disciples that make disciples is helping people to become disciplined people where the um, content that they're receiving is shaping them towards Jesus. So scripture, um, prayer, like rest, uh, being really mindful about how much we're um, using technology and like how we're using technology. And then um, having those conversations with one another. Because I think me standing up for like 25 minutes on a Sunday isn't going to make disciples who make disciples. But if we can create a community of people that are on fire and are disciplined um, and they talk to each other about that, and that's then I think they'll be making disciples um, of each other. And so it's creating that atmosphere and architecture that allows those conversations to happen. And, um, and so church has to be more than just like a, an event that someone comes to on a Sunday. It's got to be a lifestyle and a family that they're part of all the time. And, yeah. um, so meals, connections, relationships, not just coming and listening. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I'm always reminded, especially around young people, and you were mentioning uh, your son there, but I'm always reminded of the quote by uh, Jean Mayo uh, around youth ministry, really, and uh, her quote was, uh, those who go the most usually win. And she was obviously talking in a, in a context years ago where there wasn't technology, and that's the tension for us. There's this technology that's at the fingertips, you know, a couple of hours every day. Um, but I think what you're saying is so true, though, real genuine relationships those real genuine yeah. interactions trump everything that's on uh, uh, out there online and so if we can create those as much as possible Definitely. i think that has a huge impact for people and, and, and creating those rhythms as well yeah. i think joy you've mentioned that idea of creating rhythms in our lives or discipline we, we don't often like the word discipline because <laughs> it has 
often negative, but mm. maybe if we think of the word rhythms in our lives mm. and for our young people and those around us in our community, like it's developing that stuff as well, yeah. isn't it, to make us healthy. Yeah. Joy, it's been great to have you on the show. We've got a yeah. few more quick fire questions, but before we hit those today, is there anything you want to say that you haven't yet say, said? Um, no, I've like loved it. I feel like I've um, talked and waxed lyrical <laughs> about all my passions. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. It's been good though, and yeah. good for people to hear. Yeah. So we've got a, a few quick fire questions. Go for it, Nathan. The yeah. first one. So, Joy, what are you most excited and challenged about at the moment? Uh, I think Sabbath <laughs> is uh, um, for me definitely challenged about um, finding rest and space, and in the kind of craziness, and also really excited about that. Like I love, I love the delight of it. Brilliant, great answer. And your top two group why? Yeah, okay, um, I love this question. I probably recommend any book that I'm currently reading because I get really excited about like whatever's right in front of me. But um, I think anything by Andy Crouch, I think Andy Crouch is a total genius when it comes to the body of Christ and the change to bring in the world. But um, his book, Techwise Family, is like, I think really brilliant in terms of um, how tech is shaping us and how relationships can shape um, our whole community and what the kind of life that we really want. So it's a really boring title, but it's an amazing book. And at the end, he paints this vision of what family is and it um, living together and then dying in one another's arms. And it just made me really cry with like absolute wonder at the... Um, creativity of a god who puts us in family so techwise family and then also the book i'm currently reading at the moment which i have here with me it's called the liturgy of the ordinary and nathan you and debs might really like this it's for i would recommend this for anyone who's got young kids and still wants to find um space for like rhythms with god and so it's written by um tish harrison warren and um, she takes lots of like ordinary events in your day, like, for example, waking up, making the bed, losing your keys, eating leftovers, checking your email and sitting in traffic and talks about how you can make that a liturgical moment to find Jesus and to connect uh, with him. And so I'm recommending that to all my friends with little kids at the moment, because I think um, it's a really brilliant way to change the way I make my bed in the morning um, forever, I think. So yeah, wow. I recommend that book. Yeah. Thank you. No. I think, uh, I think uh, Nathan's eyes was lighting up. Not yeah. the making the bed one, the leftovers. Leftovers. And losing keys is where he was at there. Oh. I was thinking, I was thinking, how do I... Uh, how do I, how do I make uh, leftovers a liturgical <laughs> moment? So I'm definitely yeah, yeah. going to get that book. Thank like, you. Worth it for that one thing, isn't it? Really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your, your final question. What is your what is your favourite meal of choice, Joy? Ah, oh, do you know this is a torturous question for me because I lost my taste and smell with COVID like over 15 months ago and I've oh. still not got it back fully. Uh, but what I can taste is so I love food so much, but. Um, and I've loved I loved cooking, but and I'm really praying and believing that God will fully restore my taste and smell. But cheese, I can taste cheese and mm. bread. So cheese and bread, I don't know, fondue or something at the moment, that would be like a good one for me. Yeah, awesome. yeah. 
That sounds good. Awesome. Tell you what, a nice bit of cheese is charcoal cheddar. That's really nice. Have you tried that? No. Charcoal no. cheddar. Oh, nice. You want to get that? Beautiful. Cool. Great. Yeah, nice. thank you guys for that. Um, it, it's, been, it's been great to have you on the show. We're going to get lost in food yeah, here in a moment. I, I can sense it. <laughs> um, do you want to wrap up for us, Nathan? Yeah, I'll, I'll wrap up because Dave's all, uh, all Dave is thinking about is charcoal cheddar uh, at the cheddar. moment. That's but in it, my brain. Yeah, but it's been so great to be together. Joy, why don't you just let people know what's the best way that they can connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's the easiest way. Joy Blundell, all one word. Uh, same as Twitter. and uh, Or you can email me at joy at alivechurch.org.uk. Awesome. Well, it's been great to be together yeah. on the Church Explained podcast. Don't forget, uh, we have loads of resources on Icon Open. You can find those at icon.church forward slash open. And uh, you'll also be able to find the show notes there from this. But we want to thank you for listening. Remember to share, subscribe, do whatever, wherever you're consuming this content and uh, pass it on as well. Uh, it makes a huge difference for us, but also believe it speaks into many leaders' lives. That's it for the Church Explained podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time.